Hi, I'm Dustin Perry. I'm a co-founder and CEO of Kingfisher Metals. Kingfisher explores in British Columbia for high-grade gold and copper. And we recently made a pretty significant grassroots discovery at our Gold Range project. Dustin, nice to meet you. Thank you for the introduction. Oh, yeah. yeah nice to be here. Um, <clears throat> now, you, you, had a, you caught up with Matt uh, in December when you were over for Mines and Money. Uh, and since then, you've uh, published some more drill holes. And I'm a geologist, and I'm quite interested to understand a little bit more about your project and, and, and how that's, you know, how, it's, how, how, how the results are coming in and what you're looking forward to um, for next year. So I just wanted to begin with, could you kind of give me an update of how far you've got through into that discovery process? And you've, I think you've, you've got, is it um, seven of the holds back and you've got another seven to go, or is it, is it more than that? So seven have been released. Uh, the remainder will be released very, very shortly here. Uh, we've, we've just started getting the remainder of those back and just doing QAQC and uh, you know, drafting release and whatnot. So uh, they will come. Uh, but so far, we've had some pretty, pretty darn encouraging uh, results for a first pass program. I think uh, one key thing here is that nobody had ever drilled on this large, almost 500 square kilometer uh, property before. First time being drilled. So, you know, for the initial results, I'm very pleased and uh, look forward to getting after it again this year and actually going back and drilling some tighter holes around these high grade hits. Now, so forgive me, I've just kind of jumped straight in onto this one project, but could you pull up your kind of, um, could, could you show me a map of, because you've got three main project areas, haven't you? Yes. Um, if you could pull up a map just to kind of, so that I can locate myself and understand better um, where you uh, were applying your energies last year. And your and your hard won um, dollars, absolutely. Okay. So yes, we're in BC. You can see that. Yep. So we're in BC. Uh, three projects: Tibbert, Extol, Gold Range. Extol is actually how I started the company. I, I put that together uh, myself uh, back in 2018. Um, Extol is a polymetallic project. It's a BMS belt. It's well recognized by the BC Geological Survey. Um, as some of your viewers might know, or if not, VMS deposits often occur in clusters. And when you get one, you often get more of them, which gives long mine lives to districts. Uh, companies like Hud Bay and uh, Falcon Bridge really started with these types of systems because they just kept on growing. And, so and like, uh, Magnico, I mean, SK Creek's a VMS, isn't it? Uh, SK Creek is a VMS and SK Mining are, are in that area. They're starting to find more of them. Um, it's it's a little different. It's a it's a gold silver rich uh, one. We're looking at a different age uh, of VMS mineralization at Extol. Uh, the best comparable would be Arctic that Trilogy Metals and South Thirty Two are exploring. Um, but our focus has really been gold at our Gold Range project, where we spent uh, over ninety percent of of our exploration dollars last summer. Uh, and then we also did a little bit of work at Tibbert. Uh, it is our third project, so. We can't allocate too much uh, capital or time to it, but we, we we did do some solid work there in the background that I'd, I'd be happy to get into. But Gold Range really should be the focus of our talk. That that is the, you know, the driver for this company right now uh, is the real excitement. And how much of your budget did you put into Gold Range last year? Was it 80, 90 percent, ninety five percent? Around ninety five percent. And um, but you've. You've you've flown a VTEM survey at Extel, haven't you? Or was, yes. was that you? Was that you? Um, I mean, you, yep. you did the VTEM survey, and that was Heliborn, or was it a drone Absolutely. surveyor? 
Yeah, so uh, I put the project together in 2018, and uh, I convinced my dad, who's who's a physician, actually nothing to do with exploration. I convinced him to come out there with me. Uh, we self-funded it, flew out there, uh, did some reconnaissance work by ourselves, got some great weather, not really, and then uh, and then back in 2019, we did our first raise as a as a private company and went out there and flew a property-wide bee temp survey. Nothing like that had ever been done. Uh, Previous geophysical work was done in the 80s and none of the airborne work ever resolved anything, a uh, fair bit of groundwork. But one other big component that uh, we did there, uh, we went around and acquired all this unpublished uh, data from, because Falkenbridge and Miranda had a joint venture there in the 1980s. So there's a lot of good quality data that was never published. I think we have over 1200 stream sediment samples. And we had a team in the Philippines digitizing this for us at a really low cost. So we built a really good uh, database together. Uh, we've got a ton of targets there, over 40 BMS targets. We're just at a capacity issue here with Gold Range. We can't focus to the extent I'd like to on both. So we, we are looking at options for monetizing the XTEL project. Um, uh, what... Uh, made you pick up Gold Range because if you ha if you if you you know you're obviously motivated to do the B10 survey you funded it privately obviously you know taking your dad out there it was it was a it, you obviously believe in the area and you've got these 40 anomalies what was the what was the trigger to pick up Gold Range was it because Gold Range looks too exciting or because um, um, X style didn't look exciting enough X style was definitely exciting uh, the first summer we went out there. We didn't have a lot of time after we got the BTEM results. Uh, we only had a week or so before the, the field season was over. And we went out there and found a brand new VMS outcropping with a conductor that goes to 800 meters depth associated with it, a big alteration footprint, three over 3% 3 copper, two grams gold, 7% zinc, 50 grams silver. So, you know, it looks great. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, what happened though was the pandemic hit and copper tanked and, uh, we imagined that gold would go up quickly and we were able to pick up a couple gold projects before gold took off. Um, and when I saw the gold range project, uh, there was one map uh, of a geochemical anomaly that had no drill holes into it and no real understanding, no, no good geological rationale for why it was there. Um, it looked like a problem we could solve and it looked like a one hell of an opportunity uh, too good to pass up. So that's why wow. we picked up gold range. <laughs> And um, X styles on the coast, uh, presumably got easier. Has it, has it got easier access? I mean, it... you know, Gold Range might actually be easier access from. Uh, they're both pretty well situated in terms of that. Uh, you can drive to our project. There's a ranch on the at the north end of the project. Um, you know, you can see roads from from some of our zones. Uh, X style is a little bit further. You have to either take a boat to access it or fly. But if it were to become a mine, it's incredibly well situated right on the shipping lane to Asia with the hydroelectric facility at one end and uh, deep water and a shipping lane on the other end. So, um, you know, it's back end loaded. It's got great uh, location, but it but it still is a little, you know, it's helicopter work. Well, I'm a great fan of VMSs. Um, you know, we're working on one in Ecuador, which is high grade. It's open pitable. I'm a huge fan of them. But anyway, let's let's. let's they are they're that. a ton of fun as a geologist to explore. Yeah, for. yeah. but they're, they're also boxes. They're goodie boxes. They're rich and they and they and they can make companies. I mean, you, you look at the companies they've got started on a VMS and whether it's. 
I don't know, um, Agnico Eagle or Rio Tinto or um, Lundin Mining. You know, they've 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 all got started on a BMS because it gives that that real kick. But equally, gold companies have got started on gold projects as well. So, um, gold range. Um, well, before before we go into that, I'll just address that the focus for this company was to explore for high grade styles of deposits, which is why we why we're going after what we are. Uh, BC is where we know. You know, all of our experiences were primarily is in British Columbia. And we felt that VMS deposits and orogenic gold were the two best things to look for here uh, to address that high grade component. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, a VMS, those grades that you're talking about were probably kind of, um, e e even though it was just a, a outcrop sample, it was probably 5% copper equivalent at surface, which is 10 times higher than the average grade of copper being mined today and that so, was finger um, mineralization that wasn't even getting into the into a massive sulfide lens so you know it goes up <laughs> it goes up yeah don't forget about those vmss at x style it's my <laughs> there's value there and no royalty um, either we have no royalty on that project royalty yeah free. Well, keep, it, keep it that way kilometers 49 kilometers long royalty free so keep it that way don't be exactly. sucked into um to royalty streams but that's um um um, royalty finance, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, <clears throat> the majors hate it. So, um, gold range, gold range, gold range, gold range. I looked at one of your um, uh, maps, and you've got this kind of big structure coming across. Um, it's called, what was it? The um, Yalakum Fault. The Yalakum Fault, that big structure coming across. And I just wondered, um, you've got... Um, the caribou to the southeast, um, the 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 Talisker discovery. Um, Bring it up here. I just wonder what what you got. You um, Braylorn. That's is that is that um, the Talisker thing? No, yeah, that's so Bray, Braylorn is a is an old mine that produced four point two million ounces at uh, seventeen point seven grams. So that's I, I believe that's about double what Bruce Jack is. So incredible grades, um, yeah. long mine life. Uh, you know, pretty prolific camp. Endurance Gold just announced another, uh, I guess it's a discovery. It's a, there was historic adits there as well at the Reliance Project. And then I believe Tempest, an uh, Aussie company, is exploring at Elizabeth. Lots of gold showings in this area. It's a highly active area. You can drive through from Pemberton to Lillooet uh, on a highway here, and you can just see the amount of veining on the side of the highway, whether it has gold or not. It's just a really intense area of deformation, which is where you want to be for finding these these uh, orogenic gold systems and uh it's a pretty prolific fault the alicum fault crustal scale fault so that's exactly what you want to be on something that's tapping deep fluids but yeah. what you see here in this belt is that you don't necessarily want to be right on that main fault you want to be on the faults just to the side of it uh and where we are is a really similar structural setting to uh Braylon and reliance and another thing I'll note is you can see on this map a little bit of a bend in these faults uh, where the Braylon mm. camp is and same with Gold Range. And, and we get that. It's a major um, inflection point, basically, where you get you get a bit of a change in geometry in the Gold Range area and as well in the Bridge River camp area. And, you know, all the intrusive bodies line up with that. It's, it's pretty apparent. Um, and we think it's focusing mineralization in that area as it does at, at, at Braylon. Um, a bit of strain partitioning and kind of um, dilational opening up and kind of space for fluid flow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and did you choose the gold range blocks because of kind of data or um, 
was it availability of ground or combination of the two? So Gold Range, I'd, I'd looked at it actually a long time ago, back in 2012 with a, a good friend and one of our advisors, Francis McDonald from Kennerland. We'd both looked at it uh, at that point in our career. We didn't really know what to do <laughs> and uh, we didn't know how to monetize it. So we didn't stake it. Um, and then one of his geologists at, at Kennerland uh, staked this anomaly. He was looking through that area, staked it. Um, they pitched it to us at probably 2 a.m. at the Loose Moose in Toronto during PDAC in 2020. Um, saw it. It was a no-brainer. We said, okay, yeah, we want this. We did a deal. Uh, we went out and did about five other deals with prospectors. So I liked that it was, you know, we could get a deal done. It wasn't dealing with a bunch of different companies, just one and then a few prospectors and then a lot of staking. And we've continued to expand on staking more ground um, for various reasons. Uh, one, just tie up the ground where you can. It's always cheapest to stake it without a royalty. Also, um, we're, we're seeing a lot more potential based on regional work we did this past summer. And you picked up a whole bunch of um, licenses, leases to the north of your gold um, um, project. I saw one tiny little blob down in the southwest, but um, the, the vast majority is to the north. And that's, is that a combination of ease of access plus um, decent geological um, indications? Yeah, so uh, we're seeing a lot of geochemical similarities in the government stream sediment samples in those areas to our best uh, intercepts. So high bismuth, uh, tellurium, antimony, arsenic, and gold. So, you know, we're seeing the same metal signature uh, as we get in our best grades. So it, it doesn't cost a lot to stake it. Uh, it makes sense to get it. It also prevents anybody else from getting in there and potentially ticking off the, the locals who we have a good relationship with. So it's best just to, you know, accumulate a bigger position. It's also road accessible at the north end. There's active logging. So... Oh, it's got a lot of things going for it, and it didn't cost about twenty thousand dollars to put together that that recent right. stake. And um, who's the photographer in your team? Because I, you know, the, the, you've got some great photographs in your in your. Um, we, we do, yeah. yeah. Uh, prior to this year, it was it was me for for everything, and then we we brought in a, a local, a ski photographer actually from I, I live right near Whistler, BC. So brought in a local who actually used to prospect and grew up in a prospecting family. Had him out there for a few days to to take a lot of photos, just to try to you know get people yeah. on the ground that can't be on the ground so show them what it's like you picked um some good weather as well because almost all the photographs in in, in your presentation materials are kind of like the one behind you at the moment your background it's kind of uh um it's clear, like clear days day two, two days there zero standby heli time so uh rarely had bad weather on this project it's uh bit quite different than working in northern bc where you get snowstorms in the middle of the summer it's you know yeah. great weather hot you need to wear a lot of sunscreen Wow. And I noticed you're um, quite a lot of the images you guys are wearing um, kind of hard hats with peaks. Is that, um, are you, do you have to do rope work? I mean, is, are, you, are, the, are the, um, the gradients steep? Are you doing kind of um, scrambling and kind of, uh, is that for safety on uh, using harnesses or is it just for um, occasional, just protection against occasional, um, I don't know, um, loose material coming off the faces? Yeah, exactly that. Just, being careful for rockfall, uh, pretty simple safety precaution. Um, we have done a very limited amount of rope work uh, back when we were a private company, um, and uh, we haven't done any since. Uh, our, a good example, you know, it's steep terrain, but if you're competent, you can get around our VPX scale. She was out there five months pregnant mapping the, the area we drilled. So you can take that for what it is. <laughs> yeah, she's a nutter. No, uh, no. She, she's, she's an amazing rock climber, actually. Yeah, but. yeah, right. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. Um, and 
the, the the project i'm just kind of just trying getting a feel for so it's it's good weather you've got a field season of five or six months um and then the snow has come in and i noticed that you you've got one of your projects one of your prospect areas is called day trip and is that because it takes a day to walk there so I, I really like that that zone. It was uh, back in 2020. Our our crew was at Axtall, and I was kind of going stir crazy in the summer heat, sitting right here at my desk on Zoom. So I went up there for a couple of days uh, with a couple uh, with Dave Loretta, one of the co-founders, and then another uh, local friend uh, to help with uh, take, taking some soil samples. And and I went to an area that I I saw on Google Earth that looked interesting. There's a goss in there. Uh, you get a lot of gossams in these areas because an intrusion will come in and it will bake the sediments around it, creating a pyritic halo. And uh, saw that on Google Earth. Uh, so we camped near there. I walked there in one day and just walking over that ridge, uh, we found an area 70 by 90 meters in extent where 20 to 25% of the material was uh, sulfide breccia, similar to what we hit in drilling uh, this year. Uh, that graded anywhere from three to 20 grams per ton incredibly oxidized and leached out. Uh, we did a soil survey over that area in that one day. <laughs> I, I was walking over it and I saw it and I got all excited. I went sprinting back to find them and I said, just a heads up, I'm gonna lay out a grid for you guys. That rarely happens where you, you're doing a reconnaissance soil line and the same day you, you turn it into a grid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, the, 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 what's interesting about that is that there's no oh. vegetation. Is, is it? Uh, no, I'm going to bring it up right now just to show you. There's no, and is that a um, altitude or a weather thing, or is that just because it's it's um, is that a kind of a metalliferous? Um, I, I think it's just an elevation thing. Um, yeah, we're above tree line here. Uh, you can okay. see this, this is the area I walked across, and uh, there's a lot of really nice material in there, and it lights up with the, the talus fine geochem. So talus fines are just the really fine broken up rock, similar yeah. to soil grading up to 8.4 grams per ton. Uh, but then what's also interesting is, a, so it's right on a major fault here we have modeled and then adjacent to it, you have an intrusion coming in that's absolutely loaded with quartz veins up to two meters grading over six grams per ton. So really so compelling. The, is, is, is that the ridge behind? Is that the kind of the spur in between the, the intrusion? That is right here. So the ridge behind would would be off of the the IP. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the area that was highlighted on that previous map uh, corresponds with this uh, this outline here. Yeah. And what I really like is we did a geophysical an IP geophysical survey last year, which measures the electrical properties of the rock, and a sulfide body would have a, a strong electrical response, and it lit up like a Christmas tree right underneath it. So these three profiles on the left correspond with where these lines intersect this uh, circle on the right. And the the, uh, the area of the sulfide breccia outcrop would correspond right with this anomaly right here, which is coming to surface. And uh, the depth of this survey is 100 meters, which is about the depth of the, the track mounted rab drill we're gonna use to, to tackle this starting around May 15th. And, if I jump back to the other one, you can see here, it's pretty easy to move a track mounted drill around this. Uh, doesn't need water. So you get it up there early season. Uh, this area is snow free early because it's it's really windswept. Uh, right. There's no way to hide on it. And um, um, what altitude is that? Uh, I believe that's 2,200 meters. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's quite high actually, but uh, we were there in October of 2020 and it was, 23 24 degrees in october 
up there. So, you know, you could have an extended season there because the, there's not a lot of snowfall in the area. Um, but it's easy to move around in that particular target, which will, will, will make it great for the track mounted drill rig. And my goal is hopefully there's a, there's something there and we can, we can announce something uh, in time for PDAC. <laughs> which is a, this year is in June. June, in yeah. June isn't it? Yeah. Um, so apart from the intrusion and the, um, the kind of sulfide breccia at day trip, um, day trip zone. Um, have you done any mapping around it? You know, have you got a handle on kind of what you're looking at there? You know, is it just a, um, you're going to start, you know, how are you going to take it on apart from the, the, the drilling, you know, what, where does it fit in with the context of the, what you're under beginning to understand about the rest of the geology in the region? So we're seeing a very similar trend at, uh, at all these systems, which is uh, pretty similar to Braylorn, you get the Bendor Plutonic Suite, which is a, a series of uh, Cretaceous aged uh, intrusives that you get you, you get across the the Yalicum Fault uh, network. You get them in Braylorn, and they're I think they're dated at around 67 million years there. Here we have one across the valley from where we drilled this year that was dated by the Geological Survey of Canada at 68 million years. So we've got same age intrusions. Um, and they came in during uh, uh, a period of orogeny, so mountains, you know, mountains forming, plates colliding. Um, and once they came in, or it might have been some overlap, uh, there was a large uh, dextral strike-slip faulting event, which is thin mineral. Uh, mineralization occurred during that event. Um, and, and we're seeing the same fault patterns at all of the zones across this project area where you get, uh, you get offset intrusions, uh, you get Hornfels, Orioles around these intrusions. Uh, and these intrusions, when they're getting faulted, they're really brittle and they, they make a really good spot to put veining. But then you also get mineralization outside of them in the adjacent rock that's also been baked and uh, you know, prepped for, for mineralization. And outside of the intrusion, you've mentioned Hornfels, but what were those? What, what's the kind of the country rock? What's the host rock outside of the Hornfels, outside of the intrusion? It's the cloud drifter formation, <laughs> which is where the name came from. It's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a sedimentary rock, sandstone, siltstones, uh, pretty boring, pretty monotonous. Um, you know, them on their own, they're not exciting. You don't get a ton of bedding in them. Yeah. Uh, but when they get baked and when they've got these faults going through them, uh, and the, the contacts with the intrusions are, are excellent locations for mineralization. And you do get breaches uh, within the intrusive, but also within the seds. And they tend to have a higher arsenopyrite content when, when you're in the sedimentary rocks, uh, because there was likely more arsenic in those rocks to begin with. Um, and and we're seeing... Um is, is, is there any, you say um, sandstones and quartz and, and siltstones, which could potentially have some porosity and permeability kind of characteristics? Do you see any kind of disseminations in there or was it all in fractures? Yeah, we see some disseminations. We also see uh, some like fold hinge, fold hinge replacement, basically. Um, at our standard zone, which we're going to finally drill this year, uh, early season, uh, that's the site where we we used one of these backpack man portable drills uh, back in 2020 and drilled uh, 10.84 grams per ton over 6.9 meters from surface above a historic at it. That's an area where you get a fold hinge that has what appear kind of like saddle reefs. You get uh, you get flat veins across a fold hinge, but then right in the nose of the fold, you get sulfide replacement. 
uh, really high in sulfide content. And it's going to be interesting to test that along strike to see if that mineralization continues. Uh, excellent grades. So uh, that's an example of what we see outside of the intrusions. Just, just going back to the to the sediments, um, how old are they? And are they kind of compacted and metamorphosed? And I know it's not much you can do to a sandstone or a siltstone, but you know, are they old and dense or? No, they're not particularly old. Uh, they, they're Cretaceous as well. So they're a few million years. They, they formed during, a, there was a major mountain building event here, a fold and thrust belt. As the mountains are being uh, taken up, you're getting erosion coming off of there. Um, you know, that got compacted over a few million years and then the intrusions came in. There's also volcanic rocks uh, within that sedimentary package as well. And you actually get mineralization through all of these different host rocks. Really interesting. Um, what do you what do you use as your main vectors for mineralization? Is it mapping? Is it um, remote sensing uh, or aerial photographs? Are you using the the, the geochemistry? Uh, where have you got to on the kind of the structural grid? You know, well, probably a combination of all of the above. But so geochemistry, uh, soil geochemistry, has been the main vector here uh, from the outset. That's that was the vector towards acquiring the project, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, We've used it pretty pretty successfully on other targets across the project in terms of locating areas of mineralization and then follow in and map them. Uh, so it gets you in the right area. I wouldn't say that you're in steep terrain, so there's some uh, movement. I don't think there's a lot because we find mineralization underneath these soil anomalies almost every time, uh, but there's some. So it's not a direct, you know, you, I wouldn't put a drill hole based on one soil sample, but it gets you, it gets you in the vicinity uh, we've done some IP geophysics, which they get, it's basically the same thing. It's not a drill targeting tool, but it highlights the system. Uh, at day trip, it seems a lot more direct. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. It's incredibly intense though, the, the signal at day trip. You've, you've got metal sticking out of surface. <laughs> exactly. In other areas, there's, there's more cover. So it's, yeah. it's hard to, it's, it's not a perfect targeting tool. It's you use everything together and then you, you use magnetics. We've got strong magnetic signatures here. Um, if you've got um, the government um, data or you, fl you haven't flown your own surveys. So we, we, flew a, uh, we flew a 50 meter airborne magnetics and radiometrics survey over, over the cloud drift room. It didn't get as far as day trip. Uh, it was a smaller survey area, did that in 2020. And that helped with, our mapping, uh, we were able to extrapolate and infer uh, some of the some of the intrusive units, which often appear as magnetic lows. Yes. Uh, oh, mag destruction or uh, or just that hasn't been mag. Yet. <laughs> yeah. There's somebody right. working on that right now, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you got to the point where you've kind of ranked your targets? So uh, right at the start of the the talk, we you've ranked gold um, gold range above. Um, the others, and have you within um, the Gold Range project kind of established your set of targets? And if you have, can you kind of just talk about kind of the, the ranking where you where you've got to mentally? And I know that things will change, and I know that you might get a blinder of a result where you're not expecting it. So that next year you might have a different ranking. But you know, from what you know today, have you got the ranking kind of mentally um, sorted in your head? Yes. So, well, sort of. <laughs> um, so that. Obviously, we need to go follow up on on the on the great results we had at, at the, within the cloud drifter zone, which is the western part of the cloud drifter trend. So those are all high ranking targets. They're all going to be drilled uh, with 
very close step outs around the, the high grade intersections we hit. But there's also a lot of other targets within that part portion of, of the project within the cloud drifter zone that we just couldn't get to last year. Uh, we had a, quite a few limitations. We were kind of handicapped by pad building. Uh, they came and they went. We didn't have them there with any consistency. We've sorted that out in advance. Helipad, helipad building. Yeah, yeah. Which is like a good example is the final drill pad of the year we built ourselves. We had the geologist building it. So <laughs> uh, this year, that will be a lot different. We've got the people in advance. But the, what we're going to do this year is we're going to drill. Uh, a, a large component will be diamond drilling. Uh, we haven't set the, the final amount yet. Uh, Got to be careful committing to anything, but I would hope to do something in the order of 7,500 meters diamond drilling, and then around 2,500 meters of track-mounted rab drilling. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to test a lot of these other areas that aren't necessarily lower-quality targets, such as day trip, such as our Langara zone, such as our standard zone. We're going to test them all with the track-mounted rab drill, partly because we're in the mountains. It takes a fair bit of work to set up uh, a drill pad for diamond drilling. You need to get water there, set up pumps. With this drill, you just put it there and, and let it rip. Don't even need to build a drill pad at day trip. So we're going to start about a month in advance of diamond drilling with this. And I like to think of it as sending in the, the paratroopers or the infantry, send it out to all these different spots. And then if we hit, which I, I hope we will on at least a few of these, uh, we'll follow it up with the with the artillery or the cavalry with the with the diamond drill uh, that gives us a lot more structural information. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, just going back to Cloud Drifter and your discovery last year, you you described it as a discovery. You, um, you know, you call it, I mean, it, it's a great result for um, uh, first pass drilling, no doubt about it. But um, you feel in your bones that it's, it's a discovery, but the market's probably going to want to see uh, multiple sections and kind of multiple holes, kind of putting some flesh on the bones. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, what kind of step outs are you looking at? Are you 50 meter step outs or 20 or 100? Probably in the 25 to 50 meter range. Uh, that's still being resolved. We're, we're working with some consultants right now um, and you know, we haven't got all our data back. We've just started to. So uh, over the next couple of months, we'll be refining that and tweaking it. But there'll be more in the 25 to 50 meter range around the existing areas and then sticking in the more 50, maybe to 75 outside of there, testing the remainder of the trend. Um, there's a lot of excellent targets that still haven't been drilled in that area. Uh, and then the Lang zone to the east, we didn't get to drilling it last year. That's a really impressive uh, target that we've got to Excellent geological uh, story for it. Also the strong geochemistry and then several significant adits from the 1930s that have not been followed up on yet. Can you pull up a map? I'm getting my, my I'm, I'm swimming a bit. My, I'm, yeah. I'm losing my rotation. Um, and we're all 14 holes put into Cloud Drifter. Yes. So that's the big key here, which is why I'm, I'm so excited is that we focused on a really small portion of the Cloud Drifter trend. And the cloud drifter zone is this is this blob on the left, and then you get standard and, and essential and waterfall. Essential and waterfall we found in in 2020. Um, standard was the site of a historic adit and uh, a nice backpack drill intercept. Langara yeah. zone further east is separated by a, a valley and some glacial till, and this zone has historic adits, and uh, we've got a really nice geological story for it. So this year you're going to see drill holes across this area, not just focused in this small area that was about 10% of the anomaly. 
So, and just, um, uh, is that one, two, three, four, five? There's a, I can see six pads there. So that's 12 drill holes. This is all 14 one, holes here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, a couple of them. Uh, because, okay. So got it, got it, got it. Yep. I, I, I can yeah. see. So the area we tested was, so this anomaly is, is, one thing to keep in mind is there's a lot of cover in areas here. This is all talus right below these these really nice uh, zones of mineralization. So there's no reason to think that it would peter out. Uh, this area over here um, is a on the on the western part of Cladrifer Zone is a massive Gaussian that we didn't get into drilling last year, um, but it has a lot of mineralization within it, and then also coming out of it in rocks and in soils. Everything, all the soils draining it are over a gram per ton. Um, so one thing to consider is a three by two kilometer area, uh, but there's also the 3D component. So our drilling in uh, last summer tested, we, we hit gold mineralization over about 550 meters of vertical extent. So that's why I think this is a discovery. We've hit high grade mineralization, but we've also hit widespread low grade mineralization across this a, a really big area, a big volume of rock is mineralized. And if you extrapolate that across this trend, that's a big gold system driving that. Uh, the you know the, the volume volumetric uh, amount here is is really significant when you add the vertical component in. Can I just ask? Um, can you show with your mouse where the high? I, I can't see from this where the slopes are and where the dips are. Um, I mean, can you can you kind yeah. of give me some some crests? So um, this is sloping down this way. This yeah. is sloping down this way. Yeah. This is sloping down this way. Uh, this is sloping down this way. Okay. Um, and okay. mineralization is actually dipping into the mountain fairly flat. Um, uh, okay. 20, 30 degrees kind of thing. You, we do get vertical structures as well, which appear to be the higher grade structures and lower grade mineralization appears flatter. Uh, so you're getting a, a wide variety. Um, but this from, from here to the bottom of these holes is 550 meters vertical extent. And just looking at the uh, scale bar, it's about 500 meters um, width you know, in plan view as well, maybe even a bit more between yeah. the two lines you've just drawn. Yeah. Okay. Um, and relatively shallow dipping into, towards the, towards the, the south. south. Yes. And um, what were you drilling through? And what, so were you drilling through the these Hornfeld sediments? And are the sediments um, it, it, does it, are, the, are the sediments dipping in the same direction as the as the as the mineralization, or uh, is the mineralization in a structure, cross-cutting structure, or set of veins? I'm just trying to get so, my head around it. Yeah. So the the sediments are are, are just there. That's what the intrusions have come into. And the intrusions have come into the sediments in the form of sills, fairly flat angle. So if this is the mountain slope, uh, they've come in like this and we were drilling holes through them uh, to hit the contacts on either side of the intrusion where you're getting, that's where you're getting the bulk of mineralization is on the edges of the intrusions going right. into the intrusion, but then also coming up because the, the Hornfels area yeah. on the outside of the intrusion and then the baked area, well, there's a lot of solidification on the edges. It's just a great 
the contrast between the two different types of rock or the rheology, uh, it's a great location to, to move fluids. And um, these sills, are these quartz feldspar kind of... So we, we've got a diorite uh, uh, higher up. Uh, there's, yeah. there's different geology within them. Uh, the higher one, which we focus the majority of our drilling on, uh, is, is more mafic, um, a peroxine uh, diorite. We thought that the mafic content would, would be a good location to precipitate gold. It often is. Yeah. Uh, but the lower intrusion is more felsic, more quartz rich. It's a quartz diorite. And that, that actually turns out to be a better location to, to put mineralization in. Uh, because it breaks so well, it just fractures and it you know easy to fill it with with veining. Okay, so so that in addition to the alteration around the edge of it, you've got the fractures within it. Exactly, and I, I've got a good thing to show you here. Right? And and the, does the Hornfels fracture? Does the do the sediments fracture? They do, but not not to the same extent of the intrusion. So uh, these are this is what we had on display at Roundup here. We had all these rocks sitting on a table as well. But what you can see here, these top. Uh, ones here, which I'm going to zoom in on. These intrusions, this one here, which would sit here, see that's about 500 meters east of the uh, of the uh, the similarly mineralized uh, breccia we hit. This one here, this one here. These are all undrilled quartz diorites with really impressive mineralization. The reason why that style of mineralization is impressive is it's not a discrete vein. It's, it's, uh, the rock has just been blasted. And, the, and it, yeah, yeah. when you look at something like that as a geo and you see, okay, there's actually bulk tonnage potential there. Um, it looks like that, that rock looks like ore to me. <laughs> it's just so stuffed with sulfide and uh, incredibly mineralized. And the, the gold content is higher than I would have expected for those rocks. So that's what we're excited about. We're seeing that in the lower quartz diorite, which is these intrusions down here, lower down. Yep. That we only got a few holes into, but our hit rate so far is pretty damn good. And this 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 hole here would look like like we just got into it, but remember that these intrusions are dipping to the south. So at depth, where the the drill hole would actually be, that's a that's a surface expression of what it would actually look like. You know, the, the hole doesn't actually sit like that in three D. Um, so it, it would hit these intrusions further up the hole, and that's exactly where we have the uh, the, the nice breccia hit, we got the uh, nine meters of 6.88 grams. But then we also hit, had that the nice zone on the two holes here where we had up to 73.4 grams in here. So we're just getting yeah. the first glimpse of it. Uh, but on strike, we're seeing a lot of mineralization to the east in the same host rocks. And then to the west, we don't see a lot of rock. Mm. It's a lot of cover in there. Uh, geology was inferred from geophysics, but the geochemistry is really strong over there. So the majority of drilling will be focused down the hill this year. Okay, so that's the, and, and then if, can you just zoom out again on that map? I mean, I, I like the map. So you say you're gonna put put some, um, so between um, the words cloud drifter zone and um, that little square um, green symbol, um, blue symbol for C, you know, that that's the lower zone. You're gonna be targeting that with some drill holes. So that area there. Good. That's going to be the majority of, of what we're targeting this year. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got some pending results from higher up. Um, yeah. That we'll probably and want to follow up on as well. Did so you? Will did, be a bit of uh, higher up. Sorry. Are they, did they come out later because you like the core more of the, the the holes twelve to fourteen, and so you put those through first? 
No, uh, we got the only hole we prioritized throughout the program was hole seven, which had that initial result. Yeah. Uh, when I saw that, I said, okay, put that priority. Everything else, we didn't, we didn't even bother because it was such a, such a mess dealing with the lab this year. I said, well, yeah, just and, uh, they gave us holes out of order. Uh, we were getting a lot of half holes. We were having a lot of uh, QA, QC issues where you put standards in regularly uh, in your, in your sample sequence to make sure the lab is accurate. And we were frequently getting our standards reporting at half of what they should have been. So our gold values were coming back at half of what they should have been. So we had to rerun samples, which delayed everything. Um, pretty frustrating times. Oh, tell me about it. I mean, I've, I've been dealing with lab yeah. issues as well. We've had to jump labs, but, um, um, okay. So you're going to be putting some diamond holes into there and you're going to, where else are you going to uh, probably, some diamond holes into the Langara zone and round standard. Is that going to be diamond or are you going to go in with the track track mounted first? So we're going to start at standard and at Langara with the track mounted. Um, okay. I would hope to move the diamond drill, drill there as well, but we're starting there early season um, before we even start with the diamond drilling. So yeah. um, we're going to hit those first. Uh, same with uh, the day trip zone that we already talked about down here. Uh, so those will all get hit early season. Um, and then ideally we'll be diamond drilling them a bit later in the summer, but we'll already have results to follow up on because one advantage of this project is the earlier start date means you get your samples into the lab before it gets Rushed. stuck with all the golden triangle samples because <laughs> they don't yeah. start drilling till late end of June, early July. So, uh, turnarounds are generally pretty quick at the beginning of the season. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, you went from 30 days to 150 days. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other questions on this map or no, I think I'm, th I think I'm done on the map. Good, good. I'm, I'm beginning to get a, um, a feel for it. What was the reception at, um, uh, at roundup? No. What, what kind of um, footfall did you get on your stand? A lot of traffic. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked in BC my whole career, so we're, we're pretty well connected. Our team is through the exploration industry here. And a lot of people, uh, highly respected geos were, were coming by the booth. Everybody wanted to see the rocks because, we're in a brand new area. It's uh, nobody's explored there before uh, beyond just prospecting. So people were excited. Uh, people really thought that Breccia looked beautiful um, as well as some of the, the other samples that are coming out soon. Um, and they, they like seeing these rocks around here because it's pretty clear that we've got, when you get the, the, the mineralization you just saw on that previous map, those kind of rocks over a broad area. Hasn't been drilled before, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, a, it's pretty impressive mineralization and, and a key message that I think people appreciated at Roundup is that we've just started testing this. Uh, you know, we haven't written this target off to any degree. It's just beginning and quite encouraging. And some people had some interesting comments on the geology. Uh, one, one really strong structural geologist was noting that actually had some glimpses of, of SNP, which is, Structural, but also has a intrusion-related component. Snips a project that uh, Skeena has optioned to Hostchild in the Golden Triangle. So there might be an intrusion-related component because of we're seeing a lot of copper grades and seeing uh, pretty strong geochemical signatures that that have that kind of flavor. It, it, it's got that hybrid look to it. So yes, yeah, when you, when you say people like the Brecht show, you're talking about the Brecht show from um, Day Trip. 
the the no the the brecher we hit in hole seven the six point eight eight grams over nine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so you had a bit of call. You had a bit of call from the um from the downhole from that that yeah. bottom um course diorite. Indeed, I might do. I have it here. We go. Let me just show you what it looks like. So uh, this is the intercept here. It's you can see it's pretty sexy looking core. You can see these clasps that have been rebrecheated that were already mineralized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, quite a bit of, you know, there's a lot of sulfide. You can see a lot of pyrite, calcopyrite, but then you're getting later arsenopyrite veins. So it's, it's multi-phase, uh, yeah. which we like. It means it's longer lived, which has, uh, it's just the hallmark of a, of a stronger system. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty nice looking rock. I've got another one I'll bring up here too. So this is another sample that is going to be coming out very soon. And this is an example of the sandstone hosted mineralization. So this is pretty much right at surface. Um, the, the, this interval here started at, uh, well, around 10 meters from surface. And okay. you can see it's, it's quite juiced full of arsenopyrite in here. Yeah, yeah. And um, a nice, nice big pyrite vein here as well. It's just crumbled. <laughs> uh, what's this reflective mineral um, on the on the bottom left in the sample? B is that um, is it's is predominantly that arsenopyrite? Arsenopyrite. Okay. Nice. Wow, that's really fractured and it's pumped rock, isn't it? My goodness. Exactly. Yeah. And, and multiple like multi multiple right generations. Yeah, 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 right at the surface. Good. Well, um, so the, yeah, the big thing is we got a big target here. When you have a really, really big target, sometimes it's hard to, to know where to go at the beginning. And uh, you kind of you have to focus in one area to try to understand it. But we're getting, you know, all these structures we hit, these nice, these nice intercepts, they're on different structures. <laughs> we didn't put a bunch of holes into one structure. We hit multiple different ones. So now we get to go and follow up in multiple different ones, plus all these other areas we haven't drilled yet. So... I was just in a conference this weekend at 18 meters, uh, 18 meetings on Saturday. And I was telling everybody, one of the, one of the things I really like about this is there's a lot of shots on goal. Uh, you know, there's a lot of auto tickets you get right now going to this field season. We're not testing one structure, we're testing many. Great. Well, um, good luck with it all. And just in terms of the needs flow between now and when you start your field season in May, you've got seven more holes to come. And then a presumably a reinterpretation and an announcement of your summer plans. Is, is, is there anything else in there that's going to come out that I haven't mentioned? Yes. So there's still uh, more surface sampling, a bit of backpack drilling uh, from Gold Range. And then yeah. at, at our Tibbert property, we completed a detailed, I forget the exact amount of over 100, probably 130 stream sediment samples, as well as uh, airborne magnetics uh, framework, uh, you know, background framework for us. And then at Extol, uh, we'll have some permitting news on that, as well as uh, we completed some more uh, soil sampling at our horsefly and, and uh, shiner targets. And then we also completed gravity surveys on those two. Um, so fair bit of news to come. Uh, our goal with Extol was to get it on a silver platter, ready to be drilled, uh, yeah. to be drill ready. And with a permit, it will be. Um, so fair bit of news still. Uh, and yeah, you're happy, totally. happy with the in integrity of the gravity data. You know, did, was that successful? I can't go into too much on it, but but uh, it appears it appears to have worked. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the next step is drilling. 
yeah okay good well i look, I look forward to that i do like a um a gravity survey that works well on a vms target because that's they they they, they stand out yeah with vmss if you have alteration it's because unless you're in the vms lens uh you need to really be looking at alteration because your geochemistry can dip off pretty quickly but mm. alteration is a very powerful tool with uh with vms deposits so that an em conductor uh, maybe a magnetic anomaly, but that varies. And then a gravity anomaly. Next step, drill it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. Good. Um, now, the, I think probably the elephant in the room for all these things is always funding. Um, so uh, uh, presumably you're not funded for the full summer season, but you'll have to do something kind of along the way. Yes, we likely will at some point. Um, so we've got four and a half million in the bank. Um, so we'll likely want to do a top up with uh, a charity raise or a flow through raise, but we don't have our backup against the wall. We can get going here and we can be opportunistic and wait for to gold to spike up or to get some initial results out. So we'll, we'll play by ear, but uh, feeling pretty comfortable. Yeah. Great. Can't, or maybe both, you know, good results and a, and a high gold price. Good. Well, Dustin, thank you so much. I um, really understand the company much better now than I did at the beginning of the call, which is, I guess, the point. Um, hopefully that will translate it through to the viewers as well. Um, and good luck with the year's program and uh, look forward to hearing from you late, later in the year. Great. Sounds good. And yeah, to any viewers, always reach out. Happy to take meetings whenever you want.